You're listening to Good to Grow, a podcast for budding green thumbs. We'll dig into the fun, frustration, and science of growing your own food and flowers in Alberta. Hi, I'm your host, Sandra Speronis. On this episode of Good to Grow, we welcome Canadian icon Jan Arden. She's a gifted singer-songwriter, a wickedly funny storyteller, and the star of her own TV show. But did you know she's also an avid gardener? If you follow Jan on Facebook, you'll sometimes find her live-streaming from her home and garden near Calgary, taking fans on a virtual tour as she checks in on her vegetables with her dog, Midi. I talked to Jan at the end of April. Here's an excerpt from our Zoom call. What are you growing this year? I've got a few things started already. Uh, I've got little, you know, the little two-inch little soil pods in my basement on a desk, and I've got kohlrabi, uh, which is, for all you folks out there, I believe it's like K-H-O-L-A-B-A-R-I, kohlrabi. I could be very wrong. Forgive me. Um, they're kind of like a turnip and a radish have had sex, and they made this giant green, crunchy, crisp, Um, I would say it's kind of got Asian flavors. Anyway, they're growing like crazy. My little cucumbers are starting to come up and I have some squash. Haven't seen them yet. I have high hopes. Um, Radishes. I do a whole bunch of different kinds of heirloom beets. So I have ones that look like a peppermint stick when you cut them open. They're like white and red. Um, I do tomatoes on my deck. I do a whole bunch of herbs on my deck. So I do rosemary, cilantro, basil, uh, chives, thyme, rosemary, kind of the usual suspects that I pinch off all summer long. Um, The garden, I can start eating peas, carrots, beet greens, new potatoes, probably the beginning of August. It's not the quickest process in the world. A couple years ago, I got myself above ground. And uh, so it makes it a lot easier to have it up, even two feet in boxes. Absolutely. And the moles. You know, I was so sick of pulling out every second beet had three bites out of it already. Why can't they just eat one beet? Why do they have to go (laughs) down the whole row? They're greedy. Um, I Zucchini, I love having that. Yellow squash uh, is always so great to have. Zucchini, I learned the hard way. You don't need to plant more than two zucchini plants because really for one person to eat 80 or 100 zucchinis is not comfortable. And you can't freeze zucchini. My spiralizer, I think I went through like nine of them, like twisting zucchini into noodles. So this year, two zucchini plants, that's it. Okay, good to know. I actually tried to grow zucchini last year, but it didn't even grow. So I might forego it this year. Well, you know, it's hit and miss. I didn't get any cucumbers last year. I planted them in the boxes though, which is why I've kind of started them in the basement. And they're kind of like the size of my finger. They're, they look like little beans that have come out of the ground like fish hooks. And I was quite promised because from one day to the next, this is the thing about gardening for all you young people out there. The level of excitement that I had when I went down into my basement yesterday in front of this window and saw the cucumbers from the night before that were now three quarters of an inch high that came out overnight. I I feel like I could die. I could die tomorrow. I don't want to die tomorrow, which is why I've been vaccinated. I'll just get that in there. Um, There is some kind of transcendental crone-like 
aged joy that comes from watching things grow. Looking at my garden every morning with my rubber boots wandering out there, there's mist coming off my shoulders because I'm coming out of the hot house into the cool summer morning. And the birds are just starting to sing. And I'm just looking, I'm like, ooh, everything's like two inches higher. I never thought I'd say it, Sandra. I just love it. It makes me feel calm, makes me feel connected. Something about growing your food, which is multiplied in the times we live in by a billion. Last year, when things were going sideways, I had all these fresh vegetables that I shared with my neighbors. I shared with friends. I was giving nice. everybody I knew potatoes. And it felt like I was contributing to something. I don't know. That's amazing. So has gardening always been such an important part of your life? Not the way it has been this last 10 years. Probably um, my mom and dad always had a garden. Always, always, always. And I really begrudged being forced to go weeding. We didn't have garden boxes back in the day. I don't think my parents would have paid money for lumber or an extra loan to fill them up. They literally were out there with a whole breaking up kind of crappy clay ridden ground and plunking things in, crossing their fingers. Uh, but we, we just were so, I don't know, put off by having to go out and work in that garden and do things. But my mom and dad always had one. And man, did we ever appreciate the peas. I remember being, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old and going down that row of peas and picking them and having my dad so mad if you picked them when they weren't ready yet. But you, the ones that aren't ready, the peas, you just want to eat the whole pod flat, right? You just chew them up. Exactly. Um, but having new potatoes, you know, with salt and pepper and butter or olive oil, um, beet greens. I never thought I'd like those when I was 15 years old, but I loved beet greens. And I still, to this day, I plant extra beets because obviously you pull them up when they're quite young. And uh, it, there's just something really zen about it. I always encourage people you know, they'll say to me, oh, I, I wish, you know, I lived in the country. And I'm like, uh-uh, I'm telling you, if you have a window and a pot, you can throw yourselves in a handful of carrots and beets and some some herbs. Um, and even, you know, my, my I have young friends that just bought a house with a tiny little yard. They're on a semi-attached. They're going to put a little garden in this year. And they're so excited about it. Nice. They're in their 30s. I'm like, do it. I yes. said, you don't, but we don't know how to do it. I'm like, you, they, they know what to do. Just give it water and sunshine. That's all. Just go out and stare at it and sing to it and water it. You're going to have something come up out of that ground. So is okay. that your number one tip for, a, for beginning gardeners? Just do it. Don't be frightened of it. It's not always going to work out. You know, Sandra, you just alluded to the zucchini not coming up. Um, I've had many failures where I really have lamented, you know, oh, I had the whole bag of seeds and they were doing so good. And in this country, end of May, it's not unheard of to get frost, not unheard of to get snow in June. So I learned the hard way, you know, mom would always say, I go take some tea towels and throw them over those tomatoes because it's supposed to be cold. And my mom's no longer here, but she's still informing my decisions. I will hear her go, it's supposed to be really cold. I'd go put a tea towel on those cucumbers. And so I do. I've got my armfuls of, you know, cotton, thin, old, crappy tea towels, and I'm laying them over everything. And I'm Aww. so happy in the morning when I see that touch of frost on the glass around my belt, around the, 
the deck or on the tips of the grass. I'm like, oh, yes. And I've also got a 10 foot fence around my garden. You do? Deer. Ah, that's why. Yeah. Uh, there would be nothing left. And they would love any fresh little tiny things that were, were pushing themselves out of the ground. Right. So I will see them congregate there. And I've seen them have their, the deers have their noses into the small chicken wire square with a tongue trying to grab a twisty little delicate pea shoot that is kind of, you know, migrating its way over to the fence. And honestly, it really is cute to see them just, well, I think I can get it. I think I can get it. Pretty sweet. Totally. So what changed 10 years ago for you? What inspired you to really get into gardening then? I don't know what happens within the human soul and the human heart. A connectivity that you start wanting to seek out. Uh, and, you know, young people, millennials may not think it'll ever happen to them. And it will. Because time bends us all in the same way. Now, you know, you think you're going to want to meet up with 10 friends and do blacklight bowling and go listen to loud music and probably have bottle service. And you might be able to squeeze that in until you're 45. You might look like the last man standing because drinking is a young man's game, as we know. And then something happens and it is the idea that you're part of something much bigger than that and watching things grow and have a deep appreciation for life and living. Um, I've read a couple books lately that have really kind of cheered me on as I've been going through my 50s, Braiding Sweetgrass and um, Richard Powers' The Overstory, which is kind of feels like short stories when you get through the first 150 pages of his book because it's kind of nine stories about people and trees and how trees play a role in their lives. And you think to yourself, that doesn't sound very entertaining. And it's one of the best books I've ever read in my life. Uh, things that he wrote about will stick with me until the day I die. The, the idea of trees holding hands underground, the roots seeking each other out. Right. Absolutely. And sharing sugar, sharing uh, minerals and, and things that they need, deciding who, who has a better chance of living and who doesn't and making sure there's always room in the canopy for the light to come down and um, the thoughtfulness I, that really changed me. So, I, you know, the idea that trees know when you're walking amongst them, that they're aware of you and they change their, my little dog is barking like crazy. I'm going to take you with me for a second. That's okay. Taking you with me. I'm taking you with me. We're walking. You want out? <laughs> trying to talk to Sandra. Bye-bye. See you later. I'll leave the door open. But yeah, I just, just with age, it just the appreciation of seeing things grow and, and that, you know, life is precious and you do start to kind of hear a ticking of sorts with the amount of time that you may or may not have that none of us really know, uh, especially with COVID. It's been a precarious time, you know, people have had their lives cut so short. It's, I mean, imagine mm -hmm. the pains families are going through, but we've all sought so much comfort in nature. Uh, when you're told you can't go into your job and, and that you're, you know, you want to get out of your apartment, you know, you've, you've seen this exodus from the cities. Um, 
I mean, where I live, the traffic has grown so much. Uh, and the little town that I live close to called Bragg Creek on the weekends, you know, you can hardly move. It's a little precarious, but uh, I think that desire to get out into the trees, I've had friends say that hiking trails are the busiest they've ever seen uh, where they used to go there. They, they passed two other couples, you know, going up the side of a damn mountain in Canmore. And now it's, it's hundreds of people doing the trail. So it's funny what's happened, this desire to get out into nature. People feel better. They get that puff of fresh air. They get out of, out of that urban setting. That's, that can be exciting. I mean, there's nothing like walking around in New York. It's exhilarating. And you, you get a hit off of that as well. But, you know, uh, you also see people flocking to Central Park. I don't know whose idea that was. Uh, at the turn of the century and in, in, in when the city of Manhattan kind of started coming together. But man, what a lifelong legacy that park has been for people. I think that enables them to be in a 400 square foot apartment because they know they can go down the stairs, down the elevator, they can walk five blocks and be in Central Park. So that balance that we, that we know we have to strike with green space, and I know I'm rambling about my answer, but the importance of, like uh, Zaya Tong said to me the other day, she's a brilliant uh, scientific journalist. She's an author. Uh, she's done, um, you know, so much television, but she said something the other day, uh, having a conversation with me that why, the, why is the wilderness been so separate from human life. Like, why do we think here's where people are and there's where the wilderness is and that there's such this disconnect, which is not it at all. We are part of an animal kingdom. And I think that whole thing that, uh, you know, we've been reminded of this last year is find the good people. And I think that's what I have tried to do in my, when I curate my social media or when I follow people, when I follow different sanctuaries or, or different news outlets. I'm like, how can I curate something that's factual, that looks like the world that I want to live in, that is giving me a glimpse into what's really going on out there without being upset all the time. Cause yeah. you can stream through and you can see deforestation happening, you know, faster than ever to try and give bigger mammals that we're eating places to graze grass. So it's always seems like, so, um, we're not doing ourselves any favors by how we're, we're making our food and providing human beings with nutrition. I mean, I, it always seems very suspect to me that you can feed hundreds of billions of large land animals, but you can't feed 8 billion human beings on a regular basis. There's so much food insecurity. Anyway, we're, we're going to get there and, and uh, I do see good, positive things every day of people stepping into the science of how can I help my world? How can I make a difference? How can I help be an advocate for animals, for plants, um, for, for the earth on the whole? Because it is that fine balance. And we all have to figure out how to be on this thing together. And I do think gardening, like you're getting back to something as simple as a, a balcony <clears throat> little herb garden will do you so much good. And I'll tell you what, it's pretty exciting when you plant a plunk a few flowers in the ground and you see a big fat old bee 
coming and paying your balcony a visit. And you're like, you're not even supposed to be flying. Your big old fat body and your little tiny wings. Science tells me you're not even supposed to be lifting off the ground. And yet there they are collecting something and pollinating things and saving us all. So who's the real fool, right? Uh, exactly. We're being saved. We're being saved every day by the plants around us. I mean, when you think about uh, an entire planet being inoculated, being vaccinated, um, all of these, all of the science, all comes from plants. It comes from what plants provide us with. Yes, there's a lot of sciencing that goes into extracting them, to combining them with different elements, and and all those things, but. Um, you know, it's plants. Look around you. It's they're saving us. They're allowing us to breathe. Let's go to the lighthearted portion of the interview. Jan, what's your favorite vegetable? I'm going to go with oh, this is such a hard question. I was going to say <laughs> radish. I was going to say radish. I'm going to say kohlrabi. OK, it's getting more and more easy to find, um, but it is a crispy cabbage meats, radish kind of a vibe. Um, some people cook it and puree it like they would like a, a turnip puree. Um, but I'll tell you what, uh, is corn considered a vegetable? I've tried very unsuccessfully growing corn for 15 years. I'm gonna try it again this year, but I'm, it's not hot enough here. But last year I got like a foot and a half. And I got something that looked like it was gonna start to be a corn and then I also really love rhubarb. Rhubarb, if there was ever a Canadian plant, rhubarb is so hardy. It comes up every year, folks. It's like a perennial. It's so delicious. I make crumbles all summer long. Um, I'll just cut it up and make kind of a syrupy, sugary, tart delight and dump it on ice cream. And I just love it. Love it. Yum. I'm coming over. Yeah, do. <laughs> I wish you could. I wish you could. Thank you, Jan, and happy gardening this year. Yes! Woo! Jan Arden was recently inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. She'll be touring across the country in May and June of 2022. And by the way, Kohlrabi is spelled K-O-H-L-R-A-B-I. Growing your own food or flowers? Drop us a line at goodtogrow at ama.ab.ca. We might feature you in a segment we call The Plot Thickens. For this segment, we want to hear about your garden. We want to know what you're growing, what gardening means to you, or any questions you might have about growing food and flowers in Alberta. In this installment of The Plot Thickens, we meet a gardener with a food forest. Hi, I'm David Kahane. I live in Riverdale, which is a neighborhood of Edmonton, right on the north side of the River Valley. I, so I have, um, a lot of uh, annual vegetable beds. It, uh, recently I've been doing flowers, but it was initially totally focused on food production. So it started with just carrots and tomatoes and all the things that taste so much better out of your own garden. And then about nine or 10 years in, I became interested in permaculture and realized that it sort of was lawn that I gradually turned into beds. And then this 30 degree hill down to uh, parkland. And I realized that 
uh, swales and berms and permaculture techniques on that hillside would make a really amazing orchard. So that was a whole other phase of my gardening where I got some help with the earthworks and planted 21 fruit trees and berries and edibles and in a way that is actually relatively low maintenance. It's funny, I notice in myself that sometimes when it's time early in the morning to water or to do a particular task, there can be this sense that I really have other things I should be doing or grumpiness that I need to do it. And once I'm out there, it's just its own world that holds my attention and absorbs me. So it relaxes me often in spite of myself. So I'm an academic and a lot of my research and kind of activist, semi-activist life has been around climate change. So on the one hand, I can have some pretty bleak <laughs> visions of where we're heading as a society um, in terms of supply chains and the availability of food. So it feels smart as an individual and as a member of a community to actually build food producing capacity very locally and the food tastes so much better. Thanks, David. Share your gardening adventures or questions with us, and you might be featured in an upcoming installment of The Plot Thickens. Send an email or voice recording to goodtogrow at ama.ab.ca. Thanks for listening to AMA's Good to Grow podcast. I'm Sandra Speronis. Happy gardening. Good to Grow is produced by the Alberta Motor Association. If you enjoyed this episode, follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For even more gardening tips and tales, join our Facebook community, AMA Good to Grow. <laughs>